As you find your seat, please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter, 1 Peter 2. This morning we'll be looking at verses 9 and 10. We got word this morning that Orangewood has been blessed with yet another covenant child. Ken and Beth Simon had a baby girl on Wednesday. Hope Isabel Simon, get those initials, H-I-S, his. Uh, We praise God uh, for his blessing to us and for this new covenant child. This morning we had sung to us uh, in a chant uh, God's word, what we'll be looking at, an incredible portion of God's word that will tell us again who we are, And Peter is going to be inspired by the Holy Spirit and give us some terms, some descriptions of God's people that really are mind-blowing and really are an incredible privilege to be called God's people, but also with a challenge to respond and to sing his praises. So let us be mindful as we turn to God's words because he loves us and he's given us mercy that we have it. As a matter of fact, this morning is a show of respect. Will you stand with me as we read God's word, as I read God's word? To us. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You may be seated. Let us pray together. Oh, Father God, what an incredible description that you give to us your people. And Father, we thank you for the mercy and the grace and the love that makes this a reality in our life. We thank you for the work of your Son, our Savior, that enables us to be called in such incredible terms. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that comes and it gives us the gift of faith and the ability to embrace you as Savior so that we can be a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And now, Father, we ask that the Spirit of your Son, Jesus, would come and, and open up our ears so that we can have, hear from you, have mercy, O oh God, and speak to us afresh today. We desperately need to hear your voice God, open up our minds, be merciful to us so that we can understand who we are in your presence and we can understand what you are calling us to do. Father, be merciful and soften our hearts so that we can embrace your truth and apply it to our lives. Father, speak and be merciful to us and empower our feet so we can walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Father, be merciful and speak through a broken sinner who desperately needs Jesus. And Father, the things that are said, that are true, that contain the good news of the gospel, use those things to shape us and make us more like Jesus. 
And the things that I say that are merely my opinion or that are wrong, may they quickly fall away and be forgotten. We pray that you and you alone receive glory, that we receive great joy and great challenge in your word. We pray this in the powerful name of your Savior, our Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was in sixth grade, I tried out for our school play, Oliver Twist. As a matter of fact, I tried out for the part of Oliver. Now, I couldn't act, and nor could I never, I could never could act, never would be able to act. I couldn't dance. You can ask Katie, I still can't. And I couldn't sing. And to make matters worse, I was at that age where your voice kind of cracks, you know, but I thought, why not go for the lead part? You know, you can't act, can't sing, can't dance. Why not try to be Oliver? Well, you wouldn't believe it. I didn't get it. But I must have somehow found favor with the director because I got a part. I'm pretty sure I got the sympathy vote. Uh, I was given the part of Mr. Bumble. Mr. Bumble was a man who uh, uh, ran the orphanage, a man who would sell uh, orphans like Oliver. As a matter of fact, I had a solo. I sang this. One boy, boy for sale. He's going cheap, only seven guineas. (laughs) Similar response, actually. It really was. It was... uh... Some people later told me it was a showstopper. I think it stopped the show because they were laughing so hard. But I knew one thing for, for sure, that I was not the Clinton Road Elementary School idol. And it took away any of my hopes of ever becoming the American idol. But now, like many of you, I join other Americans and I make fun of the girls and guys who are trying to sing and become the next American idol. It's getting to the point where the people are pretty talented now. But isn't the show more interesting when they show all the people that are trying out? And you want to say, what in the world were you thinking? Well, this last Tuesday's episode, you ready for this? 47 million calls were placed to vote for the next American Idol. And by the way, 50,000 of those calls were traced back to Rhea Varnell's phone. I'm not sure. (laughs) Of all the thousands of singers, they're going to be narrowed down to one who will become the next American Idol. The one winner. And what they'll win is a Ford Mustang or a Ford car of their choice. I don't know about you, I'd go with a Mustang, a pretty cool car, and a recording contract. Well, I know one thing for sure. is I don't have to go on the American Idol TV show and go before a national TV audience to make a fool of myself and to have Simon Cowell tell me, Jeff, you are awful. You absolutely have no talent. I know it. I know I can't sing. But I also know this. I have a song to sing. And Christian, so do you. We have reason to sing. We have reason to sing because of who we are in Christ. And here is the beautiful picture 
Christians, we don't sing because we're trying to obtain a prize. And maybe the prize of of God's love and favor. We sing because we have already obtained the prize. Because of who we are in Christ. Because of the way the Father loves us. And the way he has demonstrated that love to us so tangibly by the giving of his Son. The ultimate prize is ours, Christian. We have life and life abundantly. And because of that, we have a reason to sing. Listen to what God calls us in verse 9, uh, in the beginning of verse 9 again. Incredible reason for us to sing. In the description he gives to us as his people. He says this about us. He says this about us sinners like us. God calls us this. Are you ready? He says, but you're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. What an incredible reason to sing. A few weeks ago, we looked into uh, 1 Peter 1, and we looked at the reality that God is telling one story. God has one story that is unfolding from when time began. And when we come across this verse and we hear the description that God has given to us his people, what should ring in our ears and what certainly rang in uh, the early church's ears, especially those of a Jewish heritage, is this is the verbiage that Moses used to describe God's people. And this unbelievable one story that is unfolding and this God who owns all things and yet for some mysterious reason has decided to place a particular love on his own people And in the old covenant, it was a nation of Israel. And he said of them, that you're mine and I love you. And unbelievably, the story of the Bible is not just something that we stand back and read, but it's something that intersects our lives. And this description is for us. This is what he is calling us. But let's go back. Let's go back all the way to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus 19, verses 5 and 6. And hear what God has described to us of who we are. And this is what Moses, through the inspiration of the Spirit, calls God's people in the Old Covenant. It says this, Exodus 9, verse 5. Now then, if you will indeed obey my my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, And a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. This is repeated over and over again. We get to Deuteronomy 7 verse 6. And Moses writes again this. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Deuteronomy 14.2 says this, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. We'll get to the prophet Isaiah, and in Isaiah 42, he will remind us again that we are the Lord's and we are his so that we can sing, so that we can declare his praises what I want us to see in this is the beauty of God's story. And what God had given to Moses and said to Moses, tell my people 
their mind. Tell them that of all the things that I've created, there is special possession to me. And now unbelievably in Christ, the one who has obeyed the Father's voice perfectly, the one who perfectly has kept covenant, we now have an incredible reason to sing because we are his. He calls us this in verse 9. He says, we are a chosen race. If you remember in 1 Peter 1.1, Peter starts off by telling us that we're chosen. Right off the bat, he wants us to know that we have been chosen by God. Here in verse 9, he adds this. He says, we are a chosen people. We are a chosen race. And really, he gives a little bit more clarity to who we are being chosen. He's basically saying this. We're part of the family line. We're part of the family tree. We're a chosen people of God. We have this heritage. And with this heritage of being God's, we have incredible privileges. Now we want to say, how can this be? I mean, how can God look at sinners like us and say that we're a chosen people? As if we're a part of God's bloodline. How in the world can God view us like that? Well, the answer is, is the blood of his son, the blood of God that was shed for our sins, covers us and he covers all of our sinfulness. We are a part of God's bloodline because of the blood of Christ that has washed us clean. And it's because of this blood of Christ that Peter will say that you have new birth. We now have a new birth, a new heritage, new privilege. We have been covered in Christ's blood. We are Christian. We're a part of the bloodline of Christ. One thing also that we need to note from this is that God is the one who chooses. It says it in verse 1. It says it again here in 2.9. It says, we are God's chosen people. Now, sometimes we hear this and we kind of think, is that really fair? I mean, we want to be the people of choosing. We might want to be the one who says, I choose God to be my God. But scripture is incredibly clear that if God allowed us to be the ones who chose, no one would ever choose God. Because of our sin, because of our depravity, Scripture says we are dead in our trespasses and sin. And if God left it up to us to do the choosing, there would be no one who was chosen. But because God is rich in mercy, those who were dead in trespasses and sin, those who deserve God's wrath, those who by nature are children of wrath, have received mercy. It's God. God is the one who chooses. And it's a mystery why he chooses. It's a mystery why he chooses any. It's a mystery why he chooses to love any of us because all of us are rebellious. All of us have turned to our own way. All of us have fallen short of God's glory. Christian, we have a reason to sing because of the family in which we belong. We belong to God's family. All right. What did Sister Sledge sing? We are family. It's one of my favorites. I sing it a lot up here. I mean, Sister Sledge, she must have had a wonderful family, and I'm glad she could sing We Are Family. But no one 
has more reason to sing, we are in his family. No one has more reason to sing than us. Those of us who have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb, we are his. We are in his family. We have reason to sing. Not only are we a chosen race, we also are a royal priesthood. This priesthood tells us about our status. It tells us about our privilege. And it tells us of our responsibility. Moses called the people a kingdom of priests. But in the Old Covenant, the priests, they were only allowed a certain uh, tribe of God's people. Only the Levites were allowed to be the priests of God. Only the Levites were able to do some uh, of the most uh, uh, important tasks in the church. Only the Levites could go into God's presence. As a matter of fact, only one. Only the high priest could only go in one time of year to the Holy of Holies to offer up blood for a sacrifice for his sins and the sins of his people. Only the Levites were the ones allowed in certain parts of the temple. Only the Levites were the ones back in the tabernacle day who were able to carry the uh, tabernacle of the Lord. But incredibly, God says this to us. Listen, all of us, not just the ordained ministers, not just those who have gone through seminary, all of us, our royal priesthood, all of us have incredible status before God. And what we have is we have the ability now to go into his presence. When Jesus was crucified, the the veil of the temple that separated the Holy of Holies was ripped in two. And God says now through Christ Jesus, through the high priest that was sacrificed, we have access to God 24-7. Listen, Christian, as a royal priesthood, we have incredible status before God. Any time of day or night, no matter what our needs are, we can go into God's presence. We don't need anybody else to get us there. We don't need to go to any man on earth and say, will you pray for me so that God will forgive my sins? We have full access to the God who is because we're his children and we are, in God's eyes, a royal priesthood. It comes with great privilege as well. I, I saw on, uh, online this week, a friend of mine emailed me uh, an item that was on sale for eBay, on eBay. It was a Masters jacket, a 1996 Masters tournament jacket, a green jacket, a coveted green jacket. And if I had $13,000 to burn, I could have bought a Masters green jacket that would not fit me. And I could pretend, I could buy the Masters jacket and pretend that I belong to an exclusive country club, that I had the right of of those at uh, Augusta National. But you know what? only be faking I don't really have that right but in Christ because of what Christ has done as our high priest we have the privilege listen Christian we have the privilege of wearing the master's jacket being clothed in his righteousness having been cleansed in his blood we now as royal priests have the garments of our savior on and it's no joke and it's no faking it We're truly His. We are, in Christ, a royal priesthood. Oh, what incredible status we have. Oh, what privilege we have. And as this priesthood, there's such good news. There's really good news. 
we don't have to butcher any animals. In the Old Covenant, what the priests had to do is they had to offer up sacrifices to God for their sins and the sins of their people. And so constantly in the temple, it was a bloodbath. I mean, they're continually sacrificing animals, hoping that the shedding of blood will take away their sins. And all that that could do was point to one that could take away their sins. You see, Jesus is not only the high priest, he's a sacrificial lamb. The perfect spotless lamb of God. And in his being butchered, sins were forgiven. And now as the high priest of God, here's the great news. We don't have to come here and butcher animals. We offer a different kind of sacrifice. Look in verse 5. Again, it calls us in verse 5, chapter 2, that we are a holy priesthood. The sacrifice that we are to offer now is a sacrifice of praise. We are now to sing. We've got to also realize that, that, that this is a very important point we have to realize, and it's this. Being a royal priesthood, each and every one of us, we all have a part to play. This last weekend, our school put on Little Women. Can you imagine if every actor and actress who came out played the exact same role? Uh, Can you imagine going to an orchestra and there was only one instrument to play and everybody played that one instrument? Wouldn't that be pretty dull and pretty drab? Can you imagine being an interior designer and you only had one color to use? I mean, talk about drab. God has called us in totality to be a royal priesthood. He has given you unique gifts that are different than mine. But all of us are called to serve him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And for the picture to be complete, for us to be a priesthood that honors him, we have to use the gifts that God has uniquely given you for his glory. You can't just sit and watch. It's not about the ordained folks or the leaders or the elders or deacons uh, doing God's will. We are his ambassadors. It requires every single one of us. Here's the deal. You've got to sing your part. That God has given you a unique voice. He has given you a unique place in the choir. And he's given you an incredible title. He says, listen, you're mine. You're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. And you're going to serve me. And all you have to be is you, living for Christ. All of us need to be involved. I'm so excited what God is doing right here in our midst. I I love the reality. I spent about an hour and 15 minutes with a businessman, a developer in our community. I'm not sure if he's a believer or not. Uh, He goes to another church. But I loved him telling me of all the things he has heard about Orangewood. He's heard about the houses that have been built, and he's, he's heard about the 5K race. He's, man, you guys are doing so much over at Orangewood. Now, so proud that because of who God is and his love working through our lives, others can see that manifestation of God in this church. But listen, we've only just begun. I can hardly wait to September 10th. September 10th is our next vision presentation. Um, and what are we? We're not even May yet. But I can't wait because I see so many things on the horizon that God is calling us to. There's doors that are opening up. Opportunities for us as a church. Opportunities for us as a school. Opportunities for us for a group of people that are unbelievable, but we need you. For all of us to be involved, you, Christian, are a royal priesthood. God has gifted you to serve the body of Christ. And please, don't just sit back we got to use all of our gifts for His glory. We have a song to sing.
because of the incredible status and the privilege of who we are in Christ. It goes on to say we're a holy nation. Sinners like us, God calls us a holy nation. And, and really in this uh, way of looking at holiness as being set apart, God has taken us and he set us apart from the rest of creation so that we would be different, that we would be separate, that we would be holy, that we would be without sin. Now this holy nation is not a being geographically set apart. And it's not a certain culture that's being set apart or a certain people group that was being set apart. He has set us apart through Christ spiritually for us to be a holy nation. You see, He set us apart. He's given us new birth. He's given us new citizenship. He's making a place for us at home in heaven with Him. God has given us a unique song to sing. As a holy nation, He's taken us and He's set us apart. He says, you have a song to sing that no one else can sing. You can sing the song of the redeemed. You can sing about God's love and mercy. You can sing about what Christ has done for you. Christian, as a holy nation, God has set us apart to sing a song that is completely different than the lament that the world can sing. And what God has separated, Satan loves to confuse And he loves to have our song be the same as the world's. For our voice to be the same as the world's. For any distinction to be blurred. Christian, we're a holy nation. We're set apart. We have to sing a unique song of God's love. Of the life that reigns in us in Christ. Sometimes we sing it through tears. Sometimes we sing it through a broken heart. But the reality is we have hope that the dying world does not. We have a unique song to sing. It says we are a people belonging to God. We're God's property. He has written our names upon His hands, we sang about. It's true out of the book of Revelation. He has written our names on His heart. Remember Toy Story? Do you remember Andy and Toy Story? What was Andy? Anybody remember? Cowboy? What was Andy? What was, what was his favorite toy? Woody. That's the one I was looking for. Thanks for your help. Remember what Andy did with Woody? He took, his, took him and he wrote his name upon him. Now, were all the toys in Andy's toy room his? Yes. And yet, there was something special about Woody that he would want to engrave his name upon it. Listen, all that God created is his. He owns it all. But for us, he's taken us and he's engraved his name upon us. And of all that he owns, he says, that is uniquely mine. God owns it all because God has created it all. But for us, He's purchased us with His Son's blood. We're twice His. And He looks at us and we've been clothed in His Son's righteousness and we've been covered in His blood and His Son's name is upon us. And He's purchased us through His Son's blood. We are uniquely His. And we need to act like it. We need to act like we're uniquely His. I bet you I know what you're thinking. All right, here it comes. Jeff's going to tell me, okay, I'm uniquely his. I need to act like it. He's about ready to give me a right cross in the Holy Spirit. I want to go another way. Listen, we're uniquely his. We need to act like it. 
We have access to God that no one else does. He wants us to come to Him with all of our burdens. He wants us to come to Him. Whatever our heart's cry is, He wants our time. He wants our fellowship. He wants our love. He wants our attention. We are uniquely His. And He's saying, come to Me. All you who are burdened, all you who are weary, come to Me. I want and desire to spend time with you. Come to Me. Last night, I was in my study and I I heard the door open and I heard the patter of little feet run up the stairs and the door burst open and there was my our youngest Allie uh, just beaming from ear to ear. She said, Dad, Dad, I lost my tooth. You won't believe it, but I was eating cake. I was eating cake and it came out when I was eating cake. Dad, I lost my tooth. And, and let me show you. Come on here. Look at that. I got right there. And it didn't even hurt. And it didn't even bleed. And, and I lost it. It's unbelievable. And, and a few minutes later, uh, she went back downstairs. And then when I went back down uh, a little while later, she told me again. She jumped up from the couch and said, Dad, come here. Look at look at, look at where my tooth was. You know, I loved hearing that. You know how much joy it brought a dad to have a daughter who cares enough to run upstairs and to tell me she lost a tooth. She's got that right. She's my daughter. And oh, what joy it was for the father. Can you imagine if I scolded her? Get out of my study, Allie. Don't you know that I have a sermon to finish up? Don't you know I got people to preach to? I mean, how dare you darken my door with something as trivial as losing a tooth? I tell you... If I were like that, you wouldn't want to know me and I wouldn't want to live. The Father longs for us. We're His unique possession. And He wants us to run to Him continually and say, I lost a tooth. And just enjoy life. We have this incredible privilege of belonging to God. And Satan would love for us to forget it. And live like we don't have this access. To live like we don't have this privilege. But we do. And oh, what a song we have to sing. You see, in 9b, he tells us of who we are. And it's unbelievable. He describes this picture of who we are. But then it says this. So that you are all this. I mean, you are loved and you are radically loved. And you've been set free. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. The reality of all that we are is so that we can sing God's praises because we can sing about God's glory. We can sing about God's Son. We can sing about being set free. We can sing about the joy of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. We have a song to sing. And we have a song to sing that is His praises. He says, I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to call you out of darkness so that you can sing about me, God says. Let me tell you, there's no greater thing to sing about. There's no greater thing to sing about other than Him and His greatness and His praises. We can sing about the beauty of one another and I want to hold your hand and sing about life. But ultimately, we need to sing His praises. That is why He made us. That is why He has redeemed us. And the Greek word here for praises, it can be used to describe a, uh, a pagan God who has miracles, who has worked victories. And really what it's saying is this, sing His praises, His excellencies for what He has done for us. 
Look at his moral character. Look at how far he's taken us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Sing his praises. I thought about that word. And all I could think about was a rap song. Because really, it's basically saying, just boast. Just boast in your God. I mean, what he has done for you is unbelievable. And, and maybe some of you don't feel good, uh, you know, doing the rap. But I really do believe it has kind of that feel of just proclaiming. You're just so excited about who he is, you just can't help. So if you don't like rap, sing something else. But what it's doing is we're singing his praises. We're boasting of our God's worth. And the beauty is, he says this, we're singing in the light. We're singing in the light. The one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Every singer wants to sing in a spotlight. And Christian, we don't sing in the world's spotlight. We get to sing in his spotlight. Come into his light. He's called us out of darkness. And now we sing on the stage of life that he has prepared for us. And we sing his praises and his glory. And we sing in his light. I was reading this week in Psalm 36. Psalm 36, verse 6. I'm sorry, verse 9 says this. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. In your light. I just think about that. It's an incredible phrase. In God's light we see light. We are called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And because we have his marvelous light, we can see all things through the lenses of Christ. It makes the world make more sense. And that is what God has called us to do, to sing in his light. Listen, no matter what song the world has to sing, no matter what song they have without Christ, they're just whistling in the dark. But we, by God's grace, have a song to sing. And in verse 10, lastly, what we don't have is reason to toot our own horns. What we don't have. And, he, and, and I love the, uh, the beauty of Scripture here because Peter is going to tell us of an incredible uh, calling that we've received. He's going to paint this most glorious picture. I mean, he's going to tell us we're a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. And we're starting to get big. And you're like, whoa, look at us. We got it. It's unbelievable. We've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And before we get the big head, he says, but listen, once you were in darkness, once you didn't have mercy, And it's because of God's mercy you are who you are. We can't get the big head because of who we are in Christ. All we can do is fall on our knees and say, God, it's unbelievable that sinners like us you call chosen people. Sinners like us you call a holy nation. Sinners like us you call a royal priesthood. Those who deserve your wrath have been given your mercy. We've been given your love. We've been set apart. We've been loved with an eternal love. Unbelievable. We should just fall on our knees and praise his name. Because we have nothing in which we can toot our own horns about. 
How many of y'all like Simon Cowell? You guys like that guy in the, in the uh, American Idol show? I mean, some like it. I mean, the guy tells it the way it is. But to me, I just find him, he's mean. He's not nice. I mean, he doesn't soften the blow for anybody. If you're terrible, he'll say, uh, you're terrible. If you have no talent, he'll say, you have no talent. And I want to say, can't you be a little bit nicer about this thing? But he's pretty black and white. What an incredible mean judge, difficult judge in which to sing in front of. Christian, God is our judge. And in Christ, you know, he's crazy about us. God is the only one that matters. And he's calling us to sing. Our God is the one that we sing to. Our God is the one we sing about. His vote is the only one that matters. And in Christ, we got it. So we sing. And don't be embarrassed. I mean, a lot of us don't like to sing in public because we're embarrassed of our voices. But listen, God has uniquely given you your voice. And he says in all of your life, Sing. Sing His praises. Sing of His great name. Sing. 47 million people or calls were called in to the American Idol to vote for their favorite singer. Six billion people need to hear our song. Six billion people need to hear our song as we sing to Him. We're called to sing. Orangewood, that is our call. To sing His praises. As the praise team comes up to lead us, uh, we're going to sing, Father, I dedicate my life to You. And may this be a response. Just examine your heart and just know who you are in Christ. Be mindful of what Jesus has done for you. And if you're His... Well up with the Holy Spirit and say, Father, I dedicate my life. It's a song to you. What we're also going to do during this song is to come forward, if you'd like, uh, to, uh, to bring your tithes and offerings during the song. Come as a tangible expression of saying, God, I want to give my life to you. If you'd rather wait till after the service, you can come then, but don't forget to come. All right? What an incredible God we have. What a privilege it is to say, Father, I dedicate my life. Let us pray together. Father God, what love, what mercy, what grace you have lavished upon us. That we could be called the children of God. And that is who we are in Christ. Father You have loved us with an eternal love and you demonstrated that love that while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. We thank you for the life that reigns in us because of the life that reigns in your resurrected Son. We thank you for the gift of faith that you have given to your chosen race, to your particular people, to your holy nation, to the people who belong to God. And Father, we ask that as a response to this love and this grace and this mercy, that we would now dedicate our lives to You, knowing that we have Your pleasure and we received Your prize and there's more to come. Oh, Father, we dedicate our lives to You. In Christ's name, amen.